0: The Irish Times Inside Business Podcast in association with EY, building a better working world. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. On Friday, Ulster Bank will close its remaining bank branches in the Republic, virtually completing its exit from the Irish market. KBC Bank Ireland has also quit the market here, leaving just AIB, Bank of Ireland and Permanent TSB as the mainstream banks left standing. So what does the future hold for competition in the Irish financial sector? What are the alternatives to the mainstream banks for consumers as they seek out value in loans and savings? And where will interest rates and house prices go this year? Joining me to answer these and other questions are Joe Brennan and Conor Pope of the Irish Times and Derek Cassidy of consumer price comparison website Bunkers.ie. I began by asking Joe to outline what's going to happen with Ulster Bank on Friday.
1: Yeah, so this Friday we're going to see. It's, it's been a long time coming. We're going to see Ulster Bank close down its remaining sixty-three branches across the the Republic. It had, uh, you may recall, uh, sold twenty-five of its branches to to permanent TSB as part of a transaction with a good chunk of its of its loan book. Ulster Bank is still a good bit away from being finally uh, shut of Ireland. It it'll probably be into next year before it actually ends up uh, handing back its license. In the meantime, it needs to sell off. Uh, a bunch of non-performing loans and they've started that process and the expectation is about 1.5 billion of non-performing loans will be sold over the remainder of this year. In terms of branches um, after these closures, it's going to essentially reduce the the number of bank branches from where they stood back in 2008 to uh, it was a little over 1,000 branches uh, back in 2008 to just over 500 branches uh, and that also includes uh, the EBS branches that are part of AIB, so more than half the branches that existed uh, back in 2008 uh, will have closed or have closed uh, since uh, since the beginning of the, the financial financial crash. Obviously, over that period of time, we've seen a dramatic increase in the level of activity that's been carried out, banking activity, day-to-day banking that's been carried out online as well.
0: Connor Pope, uh, you've been covering the uh, consumer market now for a long time. Um, how do you think Ulster Banks uh, exit from the market? And I guess they've been they've been gone for a while, haven't they? Really, they're just tidying up um, remaining accounts. But how is that going to impact on the consumer offering for you know for ordinary Joe's? Well, it's bad news for ordinary Joe's,
2: and it's bad news because any reduction in the amount of competition in the market is bad news. And um, so the first there was the immediate headache that hundreds of thousands of customers of Ulster Bank and indeed KBC had to endure when they had to shift bank accounts and they had to change their entire banking operation from Ulster Bank or KBC to one of the other banks operating in the state. Now, the remarkable thing is that went quite well in the, in, at the end of the day because according to a report from the Financial Services and Pensions Ombudsman that was released a couple of weeks back, it received fewer than 100 complaints in connection with the exit of both Ulster and KBC from the Irish market. Now, that runs contrary to what the governor of the central bank was saying before Christmas. And he was saying, um, Gabriel Makeoff, he was saying that, oh, well, the the, the two banks need to really get their acts in in order because things are going badly wrong. It also stands in contrast to the anecdotal evidence that I've heard from customers of both banks. Um, And the specific problems that people have faced have been largely to do with dealing with other banks, not so much leaving Ulster Bank or KBC, because that's relatively straightforward, but trying to make appointments with AIB or Bank of Ireland, or whoever it might be, and then trying to get your new banking apparatus set up at one of those banks has proved extremely difficult for a lot of people. And that's largely down to a lack of customer support and a lack of customer care across the entire banking network. And that really plays into the question that you're asking, Ciarán, which is what impact will KBC and Ulster Bank's Uh, exit have. And anything that takes away competition and makes it easier for the other banks to operate without providing the full suite of services in terms of customer care is bad news for consumers. But ultimately, it is the reality. And the other factor, the other elephant in the room, if you like, is the fintech revolution that we're living through. Because yeah, KBC and Ulster Bank in particular, which dates back to the, what, the 1830s, had a really strong physical footprint in this country. But there are other people entering the market all of the time that are perfectly willing to take the place of a bank like Ulster Bank when it comes to current accounts, when it comes to credit cards, and indeed in, in, in the future when it comes to mortgages. So the short answer to a very long previous answer is... Hopefully consumers won't be overly impacted by the exit. And we'll get on with things as we always have done in the past.
0: I suppose the question is, Connor, can you bank entirely with Revolut? And if you can, would you, would you be prepared to do that?
2: Well, listen, I'm kind of conservative in my banking. And the only reason I'm with my current bank is because they offered me a £10 overdraft in the late 1980s when I joined them on the UCG campus concourse. Um, and I have not switched. And I'm not alone in that. Very few people are willing to switch their banks for multiple reasons. A, there's consumer lethargy. There's a perception that it's really difficult to switch banks, even though it's not supposed to be. It is quite difficult. Um. So. Would I switch to an a fintech operator? I'd be reluctant to do it now i, I wonder will my children feel the same when they reach the age of twenty five or thirty. But at the moment, I like the idea that my bank has a physical presence in the country now, having said that, Kiran, I'm not one of these people who is bemoaning the fact that banks were closing or that bank branches were closing because i I hate going into a bank i can't remember the last time I went into a bank. All of my banking is done either online. Or using my phone, Um, so but I like the sense that there is a physical presence there. Should something go wrong, and I wonder have the fintechs managed to replicate that sense that they will be there if something goes wrong? Now, having said that, the Irish banks have proven themselves woefully, woefully inadequate in dealing with situations when they go wrong. But maybe that's just a very old-fashioned kind of semi-luddite attitude that I have. I'm not sure if you if you share my perception or my perspective.
0: Well, uh, tracker mortgage scandal, how about that? Uh, the 64 billion euro bailout that took place post-2008, uh, and there have been uh, many other uh, scandals, overcharging scandals, and uh, this, that, and the other uh, since then as well. Derek Cassidy, can I just ask you from a, a bonkers uh, point of view, I mean, your advice to people um, on all of this is, is shop around, right? Mm-hmm. From what you can see, Um, How many Irish people are actually migrating towards Revolut or N26 or one of those other uh, fintech providers for their uh, banking needs?
3: Well, there's definitely a generational divide. I think people under the age of 30 increasingly use it as their day-to-day bank account, whereas those over the age of 30 I include myself and probably Connor as well in in that age bracket, might sometimes have some more hesitancy. But I think up until recently, people used N26 and Revolut as a supporting account for their main accounts. So maybe they used it to send people money quickly and easily. um, And maybe they used it when they were going abroad because the foreign exchange fees on those bank accounts are way less. But I think increasingly people are now viewing Revolution N26 is a viable alternative to a main bank account, particularly because in recent times. Revolution has launched Irish IBANs. So up until that point, I would have always, I suppose, had a hesitancy to recommend Revolut for people's main bank accounts just because you hear of so many stories of people suffering from IBAN discrimination and not being able to set up things like direct debits and standing orders, even though technically that's supposed to be illegal under CEPA legislation. But like so many consumer pieces of legislation in this country, wasn't really enforced. But now that Revolut has, I think, pretty much ported everyone over to an Irish IBAN, there is not a lot that you can say against us. Um, it Really, really good fees. And I think a lot of people now, particularly under the age of 30, uh, will actually use that as their main current account going forward. And maybe people over the age of 30 might say, actually, do you know what, I might get rid of my permanent TSB account or my ARB account and I'm going to use Revolut going forward. But there is that issue, as Connor has alluded to, just around the lack of, I suppose, a personal touch, a personal presence. If something does go wrong with Revolut and N26, you're often, chatting to a chatbot online which can be very very frustrating
0: Yeah and Darrow how do you see competition in the Irish mortgage market let's say going forward because Ulster Bank and KBC I suppose for the last 18 months or so we've been bracing ourselves for their withdrawal. It's
3: pretty weak at the moment. What was frustrating, I guess, from a consumer point of view, is that both KBC and Ulster Bank had among the best rates. and They would good apps. They were really trying to, I suppose, do something a little bit different, if you could say that in banking terms. Banking is pretty boring at the best of times. But, you know, they were offering good competition. So to have seen both of them go, it was quite frustrating. And I think in the medium to long term, that is probably going to lead to higher mortgage rates, poorer savings rates, higher current account fees. Now, at the moment, we're not actually seeing that because we have among the cheapest mortgage rates in all of the Eurozone and have done for several months. But it'll be interesting to see whether or not that that does last. So it's not great. I mean, we really just have three main banks and then obviously the online challengers. Um, And then if you're looking to put money into savings, you really only have three options. Having said that, if you're trying to maybe look at things from maybe a positive point of view, we need to remember that for a long time, the banking market here was considered to be almost a quasi-monopoly or a duopoly between Bank of Ireland and AIB. And there was a lot of push to try and get Ulster Bank and permanent TSB to merge. Now, in the end, they, they they couldn't because it was just felt that they were just too different in terms of their IT systems and so on. But in many ways, the exit of Ulster Bank and permanent TSB buying many of Ulster Bank's mortgages and a lot of its loan book has in some way actually created that third banking force, but in a roundabout way. So if you're trying to be look on some the depositives, you might say, well, at least we have a stronger permanent TSB now to challenge AIB and Bank of Ireland, because before that you had the two big banks and then Some you know minnows trying to I suppose snap away at their business, whereas now we'll hopefully see a a stronger and bigger and better permanent TSB that can actually challenge AIB and Bank of Ireland properly. But um, that's maybe being a little bit too optimistic. Um, Really, you you know, to lose one bank is is unfortunate. To lose two is just something else. And of course, Starling Bank also uh, pulled out of Ireland at the last minute. That's another online bank. It was managed, I think, by the former. CEO of AIB, um, it was due to set up in Ireland. I think they'd even chatted with the Central Bank around getting a license. It was literally only months away from what I can gather from launching, and then it pulled out. So in many ways, we've had three banks exit the Irish markets, which is shocking.
0: Yeah, it was Anne Bowden, who was a former senior executive at AIB. She wasn't a CEO, but she was a senior executive. Conor Pope, you were writing during the week about a, a customer who had terrible customer service experience. With uh, PTSB, which has taken on a big chunk of Ulster Bank's uh, business, and Dara mentioned them as potentially a third force now in the Irish banking market. This this doesn't bode well. Well, listen. I mean,
2: yeah, the story that we had was very, very frustrating for one of our readers. They just they inadvertently transferred money from their 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 own their current account to a defunct O2 account when they were trying to move money to a separate uh, to pay a separate bill, and they. It took months for them to get the money back. In fact, they haven't got the money back yet. And I think it, it it's a poor reflection of the customer service offered by PTSB. But I think you could say that the customer service offered across the board by the Irish banking system is poor. And, and I, I think that's reflected in the Financial Service and Pensions Ombudsman's report because most, I think 55% of the complaints were about banks and most of the complaints were about poor levels of customer service and customer care. And I think one of the realities is that We have long since moved away from uh, a scenario where individual branches in individual towns and cities would be able to look after the interests of their customers. Um, And everything is centralised and the people who are on the front lines trying to offer the customer care, and I'm not speaking specifically about PTSD here, but I'm speaking generally about customer care, is the people who are on the front lines are the people who are lowest paid and they're probably the people who are most poorly trained. And that's a reflection... Uh, of the fact that big businesses, banks, utilities, telcos, everything, they don't really care that much about whether or not we have a good customer care experience. They don't really care about dealing with us should things go wrong. They just want new customers. They want to maximise their profits. And you can say that, as I say, about every single industry, including, unfortunately, the banking sector. So I would expect that we will be getting more queries and more complaints about how individual banks are handling the concerns and the problems that their customers have. And the exit of Ulster Bank from the market is only like to exacerbate that problem. Now, having said that, Ulster Bank weren't exactly uh, in the Fergal Quinn mode of customer care either, you know, so it's very hard to point to a banking operation that does a good job when it comes to looking after their customers when things go wrong.
0: At EY, our purpose is to build a better working world. As one of Ireland's leading professional services firms, our exceptional people are at the centre of everything we do. We deploy technology at speed and innovation at scale to deliver exceptional solutions for our clients, enabling them to transform and grow. To find out more, visit ey.com. Joe Brennan, you were writing recently about Bank of Ireland and some issues it had with mortgage loans that were transferring from KBC? Well, issues that the customers were having in relation to those loans.
1: Yeah, so loans, uh, mortgage loans that were transferring from KBC to Bank of Ireland, uh, essentially when they were plugged into the Bank of Ireland network uh, or the systems, they entered uh, the wrong uh, start date for uh, about half of the 70,000 mortgage accounts that were transferring at the time. Uh, And that essentially meant that uh, they couldn't actually begin to file the obligatory monthly reports to the uh, central credit register uh, about monthly payments that are being made by the the, the former KBC customers that are going to, to Bank of Ireland, and if you know you were uh, going to try and find uh, get a loan from another provider and they were looking up the systems for the period of time since they transferred in in, in, in February, you'd see gaps in terms of payments. Uh, so conceivably, uh, there'd be questions asked as to why those gaps are, are there. Now, in fairness, the, the, the bank did issue uh, letters to the, the customers that were affected by it, and they could use that as, 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 as proof um, that uh, that it was an issue uh, caused by Bank of Ireland rather than the customer themselves, but it just shows again about the complexity and the, the issues that can crop up uh, and the teething problems that can happen as uh, assets have been transferred from from one institution to the next as part of both KBC and, and Ulster Bank's exit from the from the market.
0: Joe, Ulster Bank and KBC are gone. We still have AIB, Bank of Ireland, and Permanent TSB. But just size up for us, if you like, the non bank options that are available to people who want. To
1: get a mortgage loan? Yeah, so even going back, if you look at um there was a report done by the Department of Finance. The Department of Finance and the then Minister for Finance, uh, Pascal Donoghue, were backed into carrying out a review of the banking sector in late 2021 after both KBC and Ulster Bank decided they were leaving the market. And as part of that, they just kind of looked at uh, competition in general. And while they concluded that general competition was sufficient and remain uh, so over the short to medium term, even as KBC and Ulster Bank uh, exit the market. There was an interesting kind of survey that was carried out by uh, across consumers as part of that review. And it just kind of broke down by by segment where consumers saw the the, the level of, of, of choice. And it went from they were asked asked consumers to scale from one to five, one being very little choice, five being a great degree of choice, and by kind of segment of of the market it kind of varies. So when it came to uh, personal uh, choice for personal loans, about two thirds of of those that were uh, were surveyed either said it was said it was a, either a lot of choice or a fair degree of choice. That fell to about fifty four percent when it came to savings accounts, and it fell again to about fifty percent for for credit uh, credit cards and 41% for current and payment accounts. But the lowest was in terms of mortgages. It was a 39% of, of consumers ticked either the, uh, the the four or the five in, in that, that 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 scale. Now, that even allowed for the fact that while there is a degree of, of, of competition in the market, switching levels is woefully low uh, across the market. Aside from the three main banks, um, even as the two banks were exiting the market, we had seen a number of non-banks come into the market from the 2018 onwards, the likes of ICS Mortgages, which is owned by Dillisk uh, Finance Ireland, got into uh, got into mortgage lending, and also latterly in 2020 we had Avant Money, which is a, a unit of the Spanish bank Bank Inter. They've come into the market, but. And they kind of built up a kind of a market share, about 50% of flow of, of activity, fairly quickly. But as we saw last year, when interest rates started rising uh, dramatically, we saw uh, the problem with those uh, most of those providers is they rely on capital markets for funding. So their financing costs uh, went up quite dramatically as well. And we basically the likes of ICs essentially kind of pulled out uh, or put a stop on uh, owner-occupier mortgages in the middle of last year by essentially applying uh, higher interest rates but also lowering the kind of uh, tightening up the, the the criteria whereas for someone taking on a loan ordinarily with the, the central bank rules allowed for uh, loans of 3.5 times uh, a borrower's income they reduced that to 2.5 uh, as a result of just their own borrowing costs uh, rising quite dramatically so we've seen With that model, and we saw this also during the financial crisis, it's very much a model that's driven on the availability of cash and and, and capital at a a certain price. When those markets kind of close off, it can lead to a retrenchment even by those non-bank lenders that come into the market. Now, in fairness, ICS has gone about, it has raised about 500 million euros in the placement of bonds and basically we will be hoping to kind of over the coming months to to open up the tap again when it comes to uh, only occupied uh, mortgages. They have continued to to lend the buy-to-let segment, but that in itself—that's been their traditional market. But that um, is a is a is a kind of a slowing and kind of decreasing market as we've seen in recent times, with the level of uh, of, of landlords exiting that sector. But yes, yeah, certainly the in terms of. The Irish banks themselves—they've uh, been—they start off with higher levels of interest rates. So, starting point, higher interest rates. Say this time two years ago, Irish rates were among the highest in the eurozone. Now they're on the, among the the the, the lower and the lower in the eurozone. So, high, and haven't been passing on the uh, extent of rate increases we've seen from the central bank. And that's largely because, unlike the non-banks who have no deposits, the the, the banks, the mainstream banks are largely, if not totally funded, their mortgage books are totally funded by uh, their deposit books and they're paying little or nothing in terms of interest rates uh, to 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 their own uh, deposit holders.
0: Yeah, um, Dara, can I ask you about that actually? Because we had a piece uh, in the Irish Times the other day about savings rates and how Irish customers have been shortchanged uh, by their banks. Uh, We're getting very little uh, in terms of uh, deposits with Irish banks at the moment. So where should people be looking to put their savings uh, as interest rates globally are rising?
3: Yeah, I mean, savings rates are pitiful at the moment, although at least this time we can see why. Around this time last year, we had the worst or among the worst mortgage rates and the lowest savings rates. Now we have good value mortgage rates and low savings rates, but we can see why, because the savings are, part funding, the cheap mortgages. But um, there's not much value among the Irish banks. The best rate at the moment is 1.5% from permanent TSB. With Bank of Ireland, the best you'll get is 0.75%. And of course, you still then need to pay dirt at 33% on any gains that you make. And with inflation still running at over 7%, you can quickly see that you're not going to make much for return in real terms if people are looking for better value for their savings one option is is Raisin so Raisin is an online savings platform that theoretically allows you easy access to savings rates elsewhere in Europe and it's fairly quick and easy to sign up there's no fee and you can then get access to savings rates by from French banks I think there's a a, a Portuguese bank in in there at the moment and they're offering rates of up to 3.5% at the moment and your money will be covered under deposit guarantee scheme. Now, I know it kind of sounds a little bit too good to be true. And I think the reason why the banks in Ireland are able to get away with this because a lot of people, they don't necessarily like to do all of their banking online. They maybe think it's a little bit risky, but really there isn't much for risk. So um, that's one option that I would say to listeners is just check out Raisin. As I said, you can up to 3.5% at the moment. Other than that, maybe look at investing in a managed fund through the likes of Viva, Irish Life, Zurich and so on, where you'll have access to stock, shares, property. Now, obviously, there is a risk and as the warnings say, what goes up can go down. So if you're in any way risk averse, this may not, this may not be the option for you. And um, when you invest in one of those funds, you have to pay life insurance exit tax, which is currently 41%. Then of course, you have to pay a fund management fee. So again, sometimes getting a decent return here can be tough. Um, but uh, so it's not really a market for savers at the moment, particularly in Ireland. But I would say to people, there are other options, like I said, whether it's investments or whether it's going looking to Europe through platforms such as Raisin. Uh, Trade Republic is paying 2% at the moment. That's maybe an option for people as well.
0: Conor Pope, what about the credit unions and on PUS? What level of competition can they bring to the market? We hear a lot about them from their own sectors and also from opposition politicians.
2: Yeah, they certainly do have a role to play within the banking sector. And I think the credit unions in particular have stepped up and they're now starting to offer many of the services that we would have associated with the traditional banking sector for, for donkey's years. And similarly, on post is kind of stepping into the gap that has been created by the closure of so many bank branches across the country. And they are providing legitimate banking uh, services in towns and in in villages and in cities all over the country in terms of the, the the rates and returns i mean if if you invest in one of the the kind of the government backed uh, bond schemes, you, you will get a higher rate of return. And of course, as, as, as Dara will know, you won't pay any dirt tax on that. So in terms of long-term savings, those options are certainly on the table for people. And then in terms of the day-to-day banking, I think that on post and the credit unions have an absolutely vital role to play because we haven't really discussed them in terms of the competition. And I think sometimes people get kind of mesmerized by the shiny and new things. And the shiny and new things are, of course, the fintech companies and the online operations. But in many respects, what the old school players, such as the credit unions, are now doing, and what the even older school players, such as On post is now doing, is something that will meet a very, very, very important,
0: or will, will will fill an important gap in the market for so many people. Joe, credit unions do provide some mortgages in the market, but it's small beer stuff. Is it realistic to expect them to provide a greater coverage of mortgage loans?
1: Yeah, I suppose. Look at um, credit unions as they, as the kind of the network or the, the movement, kind of stood ten, fifteen years ago. Probably not, but we've seen a, a, a large degree of consolidation in that market. There were about four hundred and thirty credit unions back in two thousand six. That's been kind of narrowed down to about two hundred. So they're growing in size. Uh, the problem with credit unions is that, uh, well, the good thing and the bad thing about credit unions. Uh, the good thing is that they have plenty of liquidity to be able to lend. The bad thing is that there's very little uh, demand for for loans from credit unions. Uh, so for every €100 Euros of assets they have, they only have about 20, uh, €28 Euros, uh, out on loan to 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 customers. And kind of a viable kind of model, the kind of benchmark is about 50%, so 50, 50 out for every 100 you have in. Um, we've seen a relaxation of central bank rules a few years ago to allow credit unions to provide more mortgage loans and also business loans. But even at that, there was a report out there a few weeks ago which showed at the end of September there was about 2 billion of unutilized uh, unutilised uh, flexibility across the movement to be able to provide both mortgages and and, and business loans. For a number of them, just they are to, still too small. There will still need to be a, a degree of consolidation. We have a bill going through the Oireachtas, which will ho- hopefully allow um, credit unions to be able to share kind of back office services, which will allow them to get involved in kind of Bigger type or bigger ticket issues, more than to get involved in in mortgages and, and business loans. It's a scale issue, and it's it's uh, and hopefully that will will help with that as well. And also we have uh, as part of that legislation that's working its way through. Up until now, credit unions have not been able to refer business to other credit unions where it's been possible across banks uh, to to refer activity elsewhere. Credit unions have been restricted in terms of that. That's aimed at getting rid of that and allowing credit unions to come together and providing coming together for clubbing for loans uh, together, which will hopefully make it make it easier and actually allow the credit union to be credit union movement to be a, a viable alternative uh, when it comes to to mortgage and, and business loans in, in future.
0: Yeah, sure. And just in terms of N26 and uh, Revolut, whom we mentioned earlier, they're having their own governance issues, aren't they, Joe, at a global level? So it's not all honey and jam for them either.
1: No, and even the valuations as well of these businesses, they have been falling because they fall within the the, the technology uh, sphere. And they have seen, there, there have been fundraising rounds for some of these uh, fintechs. And we've seen the valuations of these companies uh, come back quite dramatically in, in, in recent times. So it's certainly not the... the, the, the Potentially not the ultimate hope that people would 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 uh, have us believe. I think there is a role for for mainst- uh, mainstream uh, banks as well as as the fintechs in, in in future. But certainly, you know, they they have their issues, and they will because they're only uh, they're really only kind of in a startup phase for a lot of them.
0: Uh, Dara, just to close it out, what's your expectation on where Irish mortgage rates will go for the rest of th- this year? We're expecting the ECB to implement another rate increase in May. Do you think that'll be passed on in full? What level do you think that's going to be at? Um, and are you expecting more rate increases from the ECB this year?
3: Yeah, so, I mean, if I was a belling man, I'd say in May, I think they meet on the 3rd or the 4th of May, they'll increase the main lending rate to 3.75%. And then maybe the next month they might just take a break. And then again, they might increase to 4% in July and then maybe stay there for a while. It really depends on how sticky inflation is. If we're to believe the ECB at their words, they want to keep inflation down at 2%. And whilst I think inflation is going to fall quite rapidly in Ireland and throughout the rest of the eurozone this year, I think there'll be difficulty getting it below 3% and down to that 2% target. And if that does happen, I think there could be some difficult conversations around September or or October, where rates are at four percent, and people are wondering, well, you know, do we keep on increasing them to try get inflation down to two percent? But if the ECB raises its main lending rate to four percent, that would mean that by the end of the year, the cheapest mortgage rate on offer in the country would probably be over five percent. Now, up until recently the margin the banks worked off was around maybe 1.9%. So this time last year, just before the ECB started increasing rates, rates were at zero and the cheapest mortgage rate in Ireland was 1.9%. So if that historical margin were to hold, it would suggest that if ECB rates get to 4%, the cheapest rate would be actually 5.9% and with the average rate being well over 6%. So that would be a huge, huge turnaround. Having said that though, I think improved profitability, um, a little bit of competition will keep that margin lower so if rates go to 4% with the ECB you know the banks might work over margin of around maybe 1.5% or a little bit less if that makes sense but but absolutely more interest rate increases from both the ECB and the banks are on the way and um, some of the rates at the moment are extremely good value I mean Haven just increased its rates the other day but even though it increased its rates it's still offering a variable rate um, of 3.15% admittedly you need a huge deposit but you know this goes to Show you the ECB rate is at 3.5 percent, its offering rate at 3.15 percent. It, it's a huge, huge turnaround, but um my prediction as well though is that that's going to have a big impact on property prices i think some of the forecasts for property price growth this year are wildly optimistic we're already seeing prices begin to fall and i think over the next few months we'll actually see year-on-year negative growth in property prices as just those interest rate increases just are just going to make mortgage repayments so much higher and so much more expensive but um a bit of a cooling in property prices is no bad thing
0: so you say negative growth but you actually you actually mean prices are going to fall right
3: yes yes i think so um Just quickly, just just to pull it another way, this time last year, you could get an interest rate of around 2%, okay? And if you were borrowing €300,000, that would cost you around €1,109 a month. If interest rates go to 6%, To keep the same repayment, you'd only be able to borrow one hundred and eighty-five thousand. So that's what an increase of a few percentage points can do. Um, And I just cannot see how interest rates from the ECB can go from zero percent to potentially four percent, and that not to impact on property prices because the average first-time buyer mortgage repayment will increase by hundreds of euro unless prices fall. So we've already seen prices fall actually in Dublin since October and they've fallen at a national level for the past two months, although on an on a annual level, they're still showing, uh, on a yearly level, they're still showing price growth. But I think that's going to change over the next uh, few months. And yeah, I think we're going to see prices fall this year and next year.
0: Dara, do you want to give us your prediction for the in house prices this year?
3: I'd say probably maybe by the end of the year, the start of January, February of next year, obviously the fork the, the CSO is working kind of a few months um is looking back its figure as well as a few months late. I'd say you could see negative growth of maybe minus three, minus four, minus five percent. And um, just getting back to my other point, if you were to keep the same repayment um of 1109 euro, if, if mortgage rates go to around six percent, house prices would need to fall by over thirty percent in order to keep the same repayment. And I'm not saying they're gonna fall by that amount. But that just goes to show you um, th- th- what we're looking at. But I could easily see prices negative growth of maybe five minus 5%, minus 6% over the next few months. And um, we've already seen it elsewhere. We've, we've seen it in Sweden. We've seen it in Germany. Uh, we've seen it in Australia. Every country that has seen a big increase in interest rate has seen their property prices go into negative growth.
0: All right. Well, potentially good news, I suppose, if you're trying to get on the property ladder, but not such good news if you're trying to sell your house and maximise the price you get for it. But we'll leave it there. OK, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Joe Brennan, Connor Pope and Derek Cassidy. John Casey produced the show with JJ Vernon on sound. Thanks also to our sponsor EY for its continued support. Remember, as a subscriber to the Irish Times, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today, email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Ciarán Hancock. Until next time, take care.